CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 5th, as we record uh, the podcast. Uh, we are we are back after taking a week off. Uh, some of us were at the beach, uh, and apparently Virginia football recruiting didn't care. Um, which, in, which in a, uh, honestly, in a, in a lot of ways, it actually worked out really well for me. Um, which I will get into here in a moment. Let me go around and introduce everybody uh, before we get started. And tonight, everybody is one David Spence out in Fisherville. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Once again, the pressure placed on me by by Mr. Ferber. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And uh, Cavs Corner is also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for in game updates, content items, and I promise no clickbait. Um, so let's, uh, let's start here. Uh, Last week was, had to have been the most unprecedented spree of commitments, uh, in recent memory. Now, some of that is with a little bit of a caveat because I think we all know that not all of them came within that same 70, what did I say? 78 hour period or whatever from Friday, uh, to, to Sunday night. But man, it was, I just I can't I can't think of a time that was even remotely close to it. I, I I genuinely just don't know. Like somebody asked me that. I think it was Luke Wynn on um 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 on WINA. I I don't know. I, I can't tell you the last time Virginia had a run like that. And I felt like every time I turned around, literally, uh Virginia was getting a commitment from somebody. And as a as you look back at the group and let's let's add Emmett McNamara in there too, because um, he has also committed since uh, since that spree. If you look at that group, it's there's a lot of talent in there, a lot of lot of uh, really nice pieces to the to the puzzle. What's your overall thought on uh, on that on that run, Dave? How, how, where do you come Where do you come down on it? Well, ask me in five years. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's um, kind of the truth, though. If you think yeah, about I mean, it, like it that's really the truth. The truth. But, but man, good lord, these podcasts would be boring if we answered that way for every. Every question. They're like, yeah, um, well, don't don't worry about it now. <laughs> Come back in five years. And start doing yeah. podcasts on everything that happened five years ago. Yeah. Um, now it was interesting. I, look, as you mentioned, it, clearly some of it was orchestrated. Um, it's no way you're going to have that many guys decide to commit at the same time. But given the fact that the dead, they were up against the dead period, and you know it was going to kind of be quiet overall from staffs right. and right. and whatnot. It was a pretty. It was a good way. Of, it was a good a good news dump, if you will, right? Leading up to the to the period, um, you know, outside of the logistics and the, you know the timing of it all. Uh, look, anytime you can add three offensive linemen and two defensive ends, <laughs> um, and uh, and a plus athlete, anytime during a recruiting cycle is wonderful. But you right. do that within the course of seventy eight hours, yeah, I'm I'll be a happy man. <laughs> I think the thing for me is, and you're right, it wasn't like this was some, you know, huge groundswell. Um, you know, in, in some ways it was, but at the same time, in other ways it wasn't. Um, but you think about it before that run, I mean, essentially the, the, the recruiting class was like half as big, right, um, as, it, as it is now. And I think that in and of itself, whenever you have a, a, a time where your, your recruiting class grows the way that this thing did, uh, you have the, the, the Pearson kid a three-star kicker, Coles raves about him. Um, uh, I think his commitment when you pair him with Brian Delaney in 17 as the kickoff and punt guy, 
I mean, Virginia has had some shaky situations on special teams, and now you have two specialists uh, who are the be- two of the best in the country. Delaney was an uh, Under Armour All-American. Remains to be seen where Pearson will be. But I mean, like that in of itself, that one by if that if 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 all they got out of it was was a really good kicker, I think a lot of people would have been really excited. But you're right. You, you're talking about, um, uh, I think, a very good wide receiver in, in Obasi. Uh, I, I like uh, both of the offensive line guys, uh, Weiss and, and Devine. Uh, the Raymer addition on the defensive line is, inter- is, is interesting, especially when paired with, with Reed, uh, who I think is a, is a perfect addition at defensive tackle. And so as a class, it's, things really kind of came together there. And then, uh, of course, they add uh, will be uh, Theork uh, that, that evening as well, uh, in addition to Reed. It just, to me, was a... Um, wasn't just the fact that they were adding a bunch of guys. I mean, these were most of these kids are really solid players, and if they're if they're maybe if they're two star kids, in the case of uh, of Raymer as as well as Devine, they're guys that this staff worked out uh, at camp um, right now. Not not like judging off of film, not judge you know, guys that they literally saw in person and offered. And I think that in of itself uh, is an important piece. And I, and I've said this before. Look, I, I'm not going to forgive. Um, I'm not going to forgive the coaching staff for a while, right? Um, for uh, for <laughs> for that fiasco in Blacksburg. I'm, I mean, I think there's plenty of there's plenty of things that happened last season that you can hold uh, them accountable for for a long time, right? Um, you know, in the 2.0 sort of uh, sort of addition, so to speak, of um, of things. You, I think you have to you have to understand that like they're going to. They they learned a lot last year, and in a lot of ways they're they're starting over. But in but also at the same time, I think they're they're taking things that didn't work and fixing them. For example, spring ball, doing more hitting, playing essentially just playing football the whole time. Um, one of the things that I think we can give them the benefit of the doubt on is that last year they did a very good job of taking kids who weren't highly recruited, weren't highly rated but guys who fit from a physical standpoint and getting them prepared to make plays. Now, maybe they didn't make plays consistently to the place where they could become uh, real game changers, but they were certainly really productive pieces, uh, guys who play playing early in their career. Um, if there's one thing I think you can give this staff the benefit of the doubt on, it's that, right? So these kids who have worked out for them, um, I think they are uh, poised to be uh, – you know the 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 quintessential diamonds in the rough because this staff has shown that it can do well with those kinds of pieces. Now everybody can do well with five star, four star players. Coaching them up is is a little bit easier. Their talent, you know, sort of um, takes care of a lot. But in terms of, of of players being able to to be put in positions to make plays, especially defensively, the staff has shown that. Um, the um, I'm curious, Dave, of the of these of this group of of commitments that UVA pulled in in such a short amount of time. Which guy is the guy that stands out the most to you? Which guy is the, uh, for lack of a better description, jewel of that group? I like Samson Reed a lot. I mean, you know, in our little te- our infamous tech th- text thread, I've been hoping the next guy that pop was going to be Samson for about the last month. Um, I mean, he, I think he's a dynamic player. He clearly someone who bonded well with um with Vic and you know obviously has some kind of his a little bit of family history with Vic Soto um but you watch his film and it you know it'll be interesting to see where he develops like he, obviously he's still a little light to be a nose tackle um 
but and that's where the staff seems to be recruiting him for. So, and as we know, having gone through the three four under under Al Groh and now going through it again, it, you you can talk about the linebackers and the every other position, but that defense is dictated by the play of your nose tackle. Um, so obviously, missing out on. Um, I'm just drawing a blank on his name because he's gone to the dark side, and I don't want to think about him anymore. <laughs> you know, like Cam Good. Yeah, yeah. Missing out on on Good um, certainly still stings because I, I think he's going to be a great player and probably terrorize us in the future. But um, yeah, Samson clearly buys into the culture and, and is the one who's most intriguing to me. Um, but I, I think there's several guys who have the potential to be very good um, offensive linemen. I mean, you look back through our history, we've had some success with offensive linemen that are highly rated, like, you know, DeBrickashaw and Brandon Albert and Eugene Monroe. Um, obviously, they panned out, but then you look at a guy like Jordy Lipsy, who was the number one center in his class, who really didn't contribute till late because he was undersized. Um, you know, if there's one position on the on a football team that I think recruiting-wise, you need you need guys who are um, – who are going to stay eligible for four or five years are willing to play stay for five years if, if they need a redshirt year. Um, and, and stars don't aren't quite as important, you know, if you develop them and keep them in the program, it's offensive line. And this staff has, has continued to focus on that and, and pull in numbers like no staff we've seen. Um, even grow when he was recruiting. Well, he didn't obviously didn't have to do these kind of numbers because he was coming behind Welsh. Um, but, I'll give Bronco and his staff credit. They came in. I remember when his first press conference, he started talking about offensive line needs after that first spring. Um, he's clearly focused on it, and you can see it in the in the grad transfers they've targeted that are both enrolling now and who didn't ultimately make it to Virginia and, and the recruits they've gone after. It's been focus 1A, and you, you can't – look. it would be great if they're all four- and five-star guys, but – like we've got a good offensive line coach and we have guys that we've targeted. We have the most important thing, I think, if you've got a good coaching staff and that's the frame to be big or are big already. Um, yeah, I don't want to go through all the sizes, but like, there's some big dudes in there. That's a good point. I think one thing that I'd like to, to kind of uh, talk about for a minute is like we, we, we talked a lot about several months ago and then leading into signing day and everything. The idea that you can't fix your depth issues in one class. And I think Broncos plan, Tuje's plan, with going after five, getting a couple grad transfers, getting one after five, getting a couple grad transfers. Um, If you're listening to this and it's Thursday, uh, I'll have an offensive line countdown to camp that kind of goes through the depth. And if you think about it, they're in a a much better spot, not just for this season, but if they're able to to redshirt the, the kids coming in, they're in a much better spot going forward. And if you look at the skill sets of the guys uh, in this class, you look at the length, they, they address both guard and tackle. Um, I think, you know, one thing that is hard about um, having a website on a recruiting network that does rankings and ratings, okay, is the idea that we're not, we're not infallible, right? Um, the guys who do talent evaluation for rivals, I think, are the best in the business. Um, I will say that unequivocally. Um, I believe that, but I I don't believe that they're. I mean, they're human after all. They're they're not infallible, and so the spot that they're going to miss the most on is the offensive line, because you can have a kid who has all the size in the world, but he doesn't have the work ethic, or you can have a kid 
who has athleticism and length, but maybe not necessarily size, and he can't keep weight on. Uh, you can have a kid who looks the part but doesn't have a good punch and can't get into a set. I, I think that as an, for an offensive line recruits, the, the upper echelon, the, the top, top, top of that, of that group every season is very easy to see. Okay? And to me, it's, a very, it's very much like centers in basketball. right? If you have a 6'10 kid who can shoot threes but has the, has the bulk to go down low and dominate on guys, he's going to stand out. It's going to be absolutely apparent, and it's impossible to miss on his projection, right? It's the kid who is at this point six foot seven and a half, but hasn't really grown much, uh, doesn't have a lot of weight, has pretty good feet, but isn't necessarily sure how to use them. That's the kid that, that gives, you know, basketball evaluators a problem. On the flip side, on the football side, like that's the guy, that's the type of kid, like a Ryan Nelson, for example, right? Really nice looking prospect. Hard to say that he should have been rated higher, right, because of kind of where he is on his measurables and things like that. And I think coaching staffs, um, the coaching staffs, when they recruit the offensive line, they're looking for different things at different times, right? So sometimes you might be looking for tackle. Sometimes you may be looking for guard. But even within those designations, you're looking for a different type of player. One thing that Broncos seems really intent on is finding guys who play multiple sports, he wants to see guys who have that fluidity. And I think that's a really that's a really interesting frame to sort of view all of the offensive line recruiting through. In 18, they've done a really good job of, of casting a wide net. They're not afraid to, to leave some recruitments behind. They're definitely guys that, that, that you heard of earlier in the cycle that all of a sudden you didn't hear as much about. And that's because either uh, they weren't getting good traction and they cut bait or they didn't like where kind of where things were going with that one player, and so they decided to cut bait. The bottom line is the same to me, which is they've addressed a need and they've done it in in a very solid sort of way. Uh, with Devine and, and Weiss, I think those are two very quality additions, um, but they're also kids who kind of fit what UVA is about. And I think to your point about you know stars and how how they, they tend to stick on the offensive line. I, I think in this day and age, what you need more than anything else, in, um, and I know that there were a lot of people that were frustrated last spring and, and part of the fall training camp as well, you know, so much culture, but these kids have that, and it's ingrained in them, and they don't need to be sort of taught that. What they need to be taught is how to play football, and I think that's one of the things that, if you look at this recruiting class, one of the things Bronco did has done is they, they've gone after kids that fit UVA now they'll have to, you know, the, the football piece falls into place. I think for me, the kid that I'm most excited about of this group, um, it's 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 got to be probably Reed. But I'm also I really like the addition of Pearson. I really like uh, the the Harrison kid, um, Chad Simmons, who is who's done a phenomenal job since joining our network down in Georgia. He. He has seen the kid live and, and, and really believes that he's an athletic kid. That's one of the reasons why he got a three-star evaluation right out of the gate uh, without, you know, without really the, what I would say the offer list to really prove it. But this is a perfect situation where kid found the right fit for him, the right defense. Um, it'll be interesting to see sort of how that goes forward. And like I said before, the, 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 the staff should get the benefit of the doubt on guys like that. Um, the, the recruiting class at this point – sits in a really interesting spot because even if you say they're going to take 25, now they've got 18. Um, you kind of got to think about Wayne Taliopapa, 
uh, as an addition as well. So there aren't that many spots left, which is kind of where you where if you're Virginia, where you want to be in July, um, even if they end up, you know, surprising some folks and, and, and having some success this season. Um, you're probably not going to have enough success to sort of generate a, you know, a nine, 10 man sort of, uh, sort of burst. But then again, they just pulled in, you know, eight commitments in three days. So I, I, as I look forward and kind of project it out need wise, Dave, what kind of, uh, what else do you want to see in this class? You're, you're, you're involved enough to, to be, I think, to answer this question. What do you, what do you feel like you want to see out of these last, um, handful of spots? We'll put that in my resume. I'm involved. He's involved. <laughs> you know, he's he's yeah. he he's in, he's involved. You know, so it's all good. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I, I'd like to add another defensive end piece. Um, you know, defensive lineman. Yeah. Obviously, we've got a few now that we didn't have a few weeks ago, which which makes a little bit less of a need um, as it would have been in a podcast prior to your vacation. Um, but you know, again. You can't have enough bodies, and that's another outside of offensive line. That's probably the weakest position on the team. Um, and you know, just looking at what we have, a big wide receiver. I'd really like to get. Um, I'm not saying White. Um, I think we've recruited Joseph White to play defensive back. Um, right, safety. That's right. Yeah, and I wouldn't call uh, Ugo um, Obasi a small receiver. Uh, he's kind of in that. Yeah. Chris Bird, Tim, the small Tim Smith size. He's not tiny, um, but he's not like he's not going to come down and, and block a guy on the edge. So um, I'm interested to see what happens with that position. I, I know we've got an offer out to Isaiah Spencer, who's you know a quarterback in high school, but athletic enough to maybe play play that role, or who knows where else on the def. You know, <laughs> he could probably end up with linebacker under under Bronco. Um, a big receiver would be my number one. Um, and yeah, we don't have a whole lot of DBs in this class, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't uh, – kudos to the staff. I, I mean, I can't say there's one position they, they've overly, overtly overlooked in this class so far. Um, you know, another quarterback would be great, but I think they're sold on Rector and aren't going to go risking that, that thing um, to bring in someone else. And I don't know that bringing in a guy – in this class helps the short-term problems. I think that that's a route. Maybe you go grad transfer um, for some depth next year. So I guess I'll just cop out and say big wide receiver because I can't think <laughs> of anything else. Well, the Spencer kid, uh, Nigel Fitzgerald is a three-star uh, wide out six, five kid uh, that I've talked to before that I think uh, UVA liked. Uh, and he, I think he liked UVA. I'm curious to see where things go with him. Uh, he would be a nice fit. Um, they need it. They need a tight end or two. Um, I mean, obviously, Bobby Haskins is going to play offensive line at UVA, even though he's listed as a tight end. Um, they need to pull in a couple of tight ends, I think, in this class. I'm like you. I think defensive line has to be um, at least um, one, if not two more spots. You you could really use two defensive ends, maybe one of them who, who could, you know, potentially play inside. Um, you know, I think the guy – the guy that seems to be the most talked about, at least that's still out there for UVA, is Ronnie Walker. Um, he would be a nice addition uh, in this class, mainly because I think he, I, I, my read uh, on on Ronnie, and I haven't talked to him in a while, but I'm just going to go off um, not just tea leaves, but also haven't talked to him. I genuinely think that Ronnie uh, wants to pick UVA, um, but I also think that he's not uh, he's not inclined to 
to pick a school that he doesn't think is in his best interest. Does that make sense? Like, I genuinely think there's a lot of similarities uh, between him and and a lot of other guys that UVA has been a good spot with lately, um, but maybe they haven't been able to close. Um, he's been there so many times. I think the school fits him, the distance and everything else. I think he wants to see some results. So I would be curious to see how that one plays out, but I won't be shocked at all if Virginia wins a few games and, and, and now he's in. Uh, but he's obviously going to be a guy they're going to continue to recruit pretty hard. Um, but what's funny about this class is if you look at the positions, or at least the positions as they're going to be slotted once they arrive on grounds, like they're really covering a, a good, you know, pretty wide gamut. You know, linebacker-wise, they've got a nice versatile group in terms of skill sets, and we know that they're going to be doing a lot of cross-training going forward. Um, they've They've got a couple defensive tackles. They've got – Obviously, they've addressed the need on the offensive line. Um, like you said, not too many de- defensive backs. Jermaine Waller, who Virginia made his top seven tonight, a kid from Avalon as well. Really a kid I think that's eventually going to land at UVA. That's one that, uh, at cornerback you might see. Um, so I think that they're in a really good spot. It's funny that you know, they went from like, man, they they got a lot of work to do to, wow, they really don't have much left uh, over the course of a weekend. Um I'm surprised I haven't gotten more, uh, Brad, you need to take more vacations uh, jokes. But realistically, I think they're in a really good spot, and, and, and this class is, is trending in the right direction. Uh, I still think you know, there have been a lot of questions about quarterback. I, I just don't think – I think you have to keep just taking one per class. You, you take two now, you, you, you just upset the apple cart a little bit. Um, one, you, you, you put some doubt in, in people's heads, and I don't think that's a good decision – um, two, I, I don't think I think Rector is versatile enough that it doesn't matter who you're going to bring in, you're, you're going to be duplicating some skill set somewhere. Um, I think you go grad transfer with that, uh, and then have them sort of fight it out amongst themselves, and you just keep taking one per year like you're supposed to, uh, and the and the depth situation there will sort of clear up. Um, but to me, tight end is the is the one position I think they they sort of need to address. Um, I think it remains to be seen how much they really want to use the tight end. Uh, we'll we'll get a good look at that this year uh, with Butts and uh, and uh, Bernie uh, primarily being there. Um, spe- so speaking of sort of the team, let's let's switch gears a little bit. Um, we started our countdown to camp series, which might seem early, but Virginia starts practice the last week of July. Uh, I'll be at practice on the 28th, 29th, and 31st. Um, two of those are at 6:45 in the morning, for the record. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, although, the, hey, at least by that point, it's not crazy hot, right? Um, so we did a, we did one on, on, on the quarterback spot, uh, of course, because you can't start anywhere else. And we also knocked out the, the running backs today. Um, since I wrote one and Ferber wrote the other, Dave, let's start with you. Your general impressions, uh, let's talk quarterback first. Um, with Xander's not coming uh, – and and Virginia's depth situation being what it is, how much heartburn, how much hand wringing are you doing about uh, the quarterback spot? How worried are you about it? And and what's your sort of uh, expectation uh, as camp approaches? I I don't think even with Xander's coming, it's a position you can, as a Virginia fan, um, that you can be like, oh yeah, we got that covered. I mean, it's been on. Look, face it. Even even when we had Matt Schaub coming back, he ended up getting hurt that second year. I mean, like we're kind of historically snake bitten at the, at the position. Um, but look, I mean, 
even if, like I said, even if Xanders is here, I, I don't think he was a guy who's going to come in and, you know, he wasn't going to come in and be Deshaun Watson. He was just a nice, experienced backup that that offered kind of a change up to, to what uh, Kirk bring, you know, brings with his arm. Um, obviously, you know, the biggest issue now is, you know, who's gets those snaps. And, and you you mentioned it. Um, I can't remember if it was an article. Or, yeah, I think it was an article I read. To, yeah, in your three, two, one. You know, if his helmet comes off for a play, um, one play. I mean, yeah, you know, it's all it takes. You know, and and we saw it against Carolina. You know, when um, I, I got to stop trying to think of players' names because I'm too old to remember them all. But the uh, you know Carolina had a play where the quarterback went out and against us a couple years ago. So it was you know, ended up costing us the game. But um, it happens, and it doesn't sound like the staff is too worried about it because. You know, the most recent things we've heard from Cross, Jeff White did a piece on Cross, which basically said, if anything, he's doubling down on the, the slash role and spending more time at wide receiver recently. Um, so, I mean, maybe that speaks a lot to what the, the coaching staff thinks of Stone, um, who's, look, I know Lindell kind of gets lost in the lost in the wash. Um, you know, his name isn't brought up very much. We talk a lot about Kurt. We talk a lot about Rector, but... Lindell Stone's like film was some of the best I've seen um, from a you know Virginia prospect. The guy can really read defenses and has a you know has a great arm. So the staff is high on him. There's a lot of schools that were high on him. Um, so I mean, he's he's going to be a good quarterback. I, I don't know that the, we would want to use him next year if we didn't have to. Great to give him a a year to learn the offense. Um, you know, and maybe compete for the starting job the following year, but. Yeah, I think we all agree. Short term, not having Xanders just makes it a little difficult. But our our success this season is and always has been, in my eyes, tied to the play of Kurt. Um, I think we're all a little harsh on on Ben Kurt because we saw some bad plays from him last year. But you know, as far as production, not wins and losses, but production, he had a very good season. Um, and if you can translate that to a team that's improving on defense, um, get him to cut down the turnovers a little bit and get him a little more confident in his ability to take a hit so he's not so panicky in the pocket, you could see a big improvement from him. Um, I don't know what level of improvement you need to see to go from two wins to six wins like we'd ideally get to. Um, but there's nothing I saw from him last year that makes me think we can't make that improvement with him under center. Yeah, let me let me take a step back here, and because I want to address two things. One, the I like, um, I think the best case scenario in terms of Virginia's depth situation at quarterback is I agree with you. I think Xander's was was probably going to fit into the Devonte Cross sort of role that they were working for in the spring, and it almost seems like the thought process was we'll start to we'll start to transition Devonte over to wide receiver, but we'll have these elements in place so that when Xanders gets there, it you know, he kind of fits right into it and whatever. That's obviously not going to be a thing. My guess is, like as I said in the piece, that that Cross will probably go back to to, to quarterback full time because you have you, you're assuming you have a full allotment of wide receivers. And Virginia has a lot of options, right? You got Alamade Zacchaeus, you got Andre Lavroni, you got Donnie Dowling, um, you you got uh uh Joe Reed, uh, Cole Blackman you're probably going to have you know one or two from this group uh, that play. Um, 
So I feel like in in a lot of ways, if you need to move Cross back to quarterback to to have him prepared there, it makes sense. I genuinely think what they'll do is they'll let Lindell Stone prepare to be like go through the week as if he's the backup. Let him take those snaps. But if they needed to to have a guy who goes in for a play, it would be Cross. Um, if it's a long term situation, Kirk's down. He's you know sprung a giblet and he's out eight weeks. Um, Maybe it, maybe you just say you know we got to turn this thing over to Stone. Uh, you let you let him play. You let Rector redshirt, and so now you've got some some separation between the two. But I still think they would go after grad transfer just for for depth purposes. Um, now to this season, the problem that I that I think Virginia faces is that Ben Kirk can take can really take a nice step forward, and they and they don't have a lot more to show for it because. As much as I think negative plays were a big issue for him, and not, I don't mean just turnovers. I mean times where you know he, you know, he had like the random. He got, I felt like he got like one random. What are you doing? Sort of intentional grounding call per game. Um, it really sort of seems to go back to just his pocket presence and, and sort of being panicky back there. I also understand that a lot of his best throws all season came from from those weird spin move, roll out, and just launch it throws and you know in some ways you got to let a big dog eat right I mean in some ways you got to let him be who he is you just have to the cutting out of the negative plays would be a nice would be nice but even then I just my one concern with the offense is has been will continue to be that until the offensive line can produce consistently on the ground teams will continue to just basically say uh we're gonna make Kurt Benkirk beat us and that puts a it, it puts a lot of pressure on him to be not just more efficient, but ex- like like beyond just saying more efficient, right? It's like a it's a, a degree of magnitude greater. And I think that's the that's the trepidation I have is I think Kurt is an extremely talented kid. I think he's got a lot of tools. He's got an A plus arm. I mean, he's got NFL arm talent. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, I, I worry sometimes with quarterbacks that pocket presence is just one of those things you can't teach. Just like vision is one of those things that a running back can't learn, right? A, a point guard needs to know how to be able uh, to, to drop dimes. I, I think quarterbacks' pocket presence is something that, that can't be developed, per se. You either have it or you don't. Um, now, the extent to which his injury played a role in his lack of pocket presence or his panic in the pocket – that's actually a very valuable, uh, a very excuse me, very valid question. And and if Kirk goes out there and proves us, proves us wrong, those of us who who worry about his pocket presence, you know what? Hey, more power to him. Like, great. That I, I think that would be that uh, would I'd be really happy for that kid because I think he 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 did he put up with a lot last year. And um, if 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 he was in nearly as much pain as I think he was, and it makes sense. But in terms of what I saw in the field, I saw a lot of times where uh, he wasn't able to make something happen. And there was a negative play. Now, maybe it didn't turn the ball over, um, but it was a negative play. And I think this team can't afford that. Um, there were a lot of times last year where Taquan Mizell created something literally out of the will that he had in his body, right? Like plays where he would just manage to make yards. Now, I'm not saying he was perfect, but he definitely left it all out there and he, and he, he played his tail off. They don't have that. They do have a lot of really interesting pieces um, I'm really excited to see Zacchaeus and Reed. Um, I think the two of them together at wide receiver, when you when you have some versatile backs like uh, Ham and, and Ellis, which we'll get to in a second, this offense has them has some pieces that seem poised to, to have breakout seasons. 
the problem is is that all of those pieces depend on an offensive line to to block or a quarterback to get them the ball. And Virginia's depth situation at both of those spots is is really really tenuous. And I feel like that that's not something you can gloss over, even though it's a question that you literally can't answer right now. You just have to wait and see how it plays out. I know that's that's the the kiss of death when it comes to to sports. I mean, people hate having to wait and see, but that's sort of where you are. You know, you you understand what the depth situation is like at quarterback. Uh, you know what the offensive line um, with the grad transfers and stuff, which, like I said, that, there'll be a, a countdown to camp on them soon. Uh, in terms of running backs, Dave, I feel like Virginia's in a, not maybe in, a, in a, as good a spot last year because they had smoke coming back. But, man, I feel like they're in a really good spot, mainly because I feel like you could play Ham uh, and Ellis together. And you've got some young pups in Atkins and, and Peacock who were there in the spring who conceivably should hit the ground really running this fall. Uh, what's your general sort of feel on the running back position and how much uh, optimism does that give you about the offense considering the talent level they have back there? Yeah, I feel a lot better about that position than I do quarterback. It's uh, not to be a smart ass, but, but I kind of do. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I think Ellis is going to be your, your main back for the year. Um, you know, he's, he's just a, a guy who just hasn't had the opportunity to you know, to get lathered up in a game very often. And, you know, I'm excited to see what he can, can do. And, um, you know, Ham has, has had, you know, had games in his career, not, not as many as we'd like, but, you know, he's, he's a lot more than, than the recruited walk on than, you know, uh, he was when he, when he had his breakout game against VMI. So, um, you know, Obviously, those guys have experience. They've completely bought into the system, um, especially Ellis. I mean, he was the first, you know, he was the number one, <laughs> number one pick in the number draft last year. Um, so those guys, I think, obviously, smoke, what Smoke did last year was incredible. Um, I do think at times last year the offense was too dependent on Smoke. Um, it's hard to get better losing a talent like him. But I think we'll be more versatile this year because you kind of have to be. You can't say, hey, Smoke, go get this. Um, and, and then, you know, you look at the, the young guys coming in peacock <laughs> there. If you guys aren't on Twitter, you know, Brad saw the same picture I did and, and texted it to us. There, there's a picture of, I think it was peacock, um, ham, ben peacock, Kirk, Ben Kirk Alonzo. was fishing and then, uh, Mandy yeah. Alonzo. Yeah. I mean, peacock, <laughs> you know, he does look like he could be a nose tackle. Um, he's a, he's a big dude. Um, so it's going to be fun. He's certainly nimble. And then, um, and Atkins may be the most underrated, even though he was pretty highly regarded by the recruiting services. I think he's going to end up being underrated compared to what he, kind of talent level he has. Yeah. Excited to see what they do, but you know, not, not to cop out like you, like, you know, it depends on what happens. There's five guys in front of him. Yeah. I mean, look, I think running back is one of those interesting positions because as much as I as I, I realize I just said that the offensive line, you know, th- that these guys have to depend on the offensive line, ultimately, like, they have the ball in their hands, and you can go do something, right? You can go make a play. I really like the idea of Ham and Ellis playing together. I like Atkins. Um, just in the little bit of time I saw him in the spring as a post on the board uh, earlier this evening, like, I remember watching Alamade Zacchaeus in camp that first year and saying, this kid's going to play. He's really, really good. And people on the board were like, what are you talking about? He's like a he's like a random three-star, blah, blah, blah. 
Like, there's there's way more better players in front of him. And I just remember saying, look, I, I'm telling you, saw the kid play. He's, he's, he's the truth. Atkins had some similar moments in the spring, and I'm really curious to see what it looks like in the fall once he's had a chance to sort of uh, stop swimming so much. Peacock is going to be the big back. Um, I'm curious to see what kind of load he carries, but I'm also even more curious to see like what the, what the coaching staff wants from him. Do they want him to carry a large load, or do they feel like they've got enough in Ham and Ellis? Because I think in both cases, they're guys who can get you yards between the tackles. I feel like they're also good enough that they are guys who can uh, pass block. And I think that's going to be really sort of the, uh, the catalyst for – being able to play a, a, a true two-back set with them. And, and I feel like versi- ver- in terms of versatility, if you have Joe Reed and Lamde Zacchaeus on the field and you have both of those guys in the backfield, you can do some seriously um, versatile stuff uh, in terms of route concepts and in terms of, uh, of what you're trying to get the defense to pay attention to and mismatches that you're trying to key off of. Um, spoiler alert, when we get to wide receivers next week, I'm going to talk up Joe Reed like crazy. Just that kid is going to be a beast. I mean, he kind of already is a beast. But anyway, the, my point is on the running backs is I, I kind of agree with you. It really does really depend on, on what's in front of them. I have really high hopes for him, though. And I think it goes back to something you said, which I'm kind of bummed you said because I was trying to hopefully that I could say it and then I could be smart. But now I have to agree with you, which means you're smart, but whatever. Um, Taquan Mizell was such a talented player. Uh and he got better as his career went on at Virginia. He was never going to be the sort of every down between the tackles guy, but Virginia found a way to get him the ball. Um, multiple offensive coordinators struggled to try to figure out how to use him best, but I thought he had a very good season last year. You keyed off of him all game long if you were the defense, and you were trying to get him the ball all game long if you were the offense. Now, I'm not going to try to sit here and make some weird sort of argument to you that somehow losing Taquan Mizell is good for you, okay? That's just not true, okay? That's just that's ridiculous. But I do think it changes the dynamics, and in those dynamics changing, when you think about the pieces that Virginia has to kind of make up for that loss of production, I'm really curious to see what do defensive coordinators try to take away from UVA now that Mizell's no longer there. Because what you could do to Virginia before is you could essentially try your best to to take Mizell out, and you put Virginia in a spot where they had to figure out where to go next, even though they wanted to try to get him the ball. Now you don't have that lead dog sort of option. You have a lot of really good options. And I feel like in some ways that's easier for an offensive coordinator than just having one go-to guy when that go-to guy is not uh, Megatron. You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? Like, it's one thing yeah. to try to get a, get the ball to a big physical dude that you can just kind of throw it up there and he go and gets it. It's another thing to try to get get smoke in space because defenses can dictate where that space is. They can essentially move pieces around and line up in such a way that they essentially only give you the option that they want you to get for that specific player. It, even if you try to create mismatches with that specific player, the defense can counteract that. Somebody else is going to be open, but you don't want to go to that somebody else. You want to go to smoke. How you gonna? How, how what's a defensive coordinator gonna do now when you have to stop Joe Reed and Lamde Zacchaeus, as well as maybe multiple backs in the backfield I, that that I think can can also contribute in the passing game. I, I just think that again, I'm not trying to tell you 
that you, lo- you 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 can somehow get better when you lose a smoke mizell because I don't th- I, I, that's not that's ridiculous. But I do think that because of the dynamics at play in terms of chess pieces, Virginia is in a different spot now. Um, and maybe had this staff been here uh, two years ago when Smoke was a junior and he was going into his senior season and he had all these pieces around him, they'd be different. Um, you know, if ifs and buts and were cansies and nuts, right? But I, I just think that as I look at this talent, especially running back, I feel like to get to Smoke's production level is going to be difficult, but I don't know if they need to get to Smoke's production level for the offense to be better. And ultimately, that's what matters. The offense improving and the team winning games, and I feel like this is a, a good group that can uh, that can certainly move that uh, move that proverbial needle. Um, let's see, anything else to, to come before the uh, good of the order before we wrap up this week? I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's always an encouraging way to end a podcast, right? Oh, that's good. We've talked it all out. Now I just think that this is a nice little structure. We'll we'll probably will come back next week. Uh, I don't want to say our summer break is over, but I mean. We're we're what three weeks away from uh, from a um, you know from the start of camp. Um, yeah, boys, time time to just complete your honeydew list so your right. wife doesn't bug you on Saturdays. Yep. So uh, I mean, what's funny is that we we will hurry up and we will get to the end of July till camp starts, and then all of a sudden we'll have weeks to wait until. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess I'll roll out this camp, countdown to camp thing, and then ultimately it'll be like what just content that we generated uh, from practices. And they're only going to give us three, which stinks because I won't actually get to see the team in August, which is unfortunate. But, you know, hey, I don't get to decide who, who comes to practice and, and who doesn't. I uh, want to thank everybody out there for, for giving us a listen. As always, hopefully next week we will be back uh, with the full crew and Ferber's not stuck in his office uh, doing whatever it was he was doing tonight a- instead of being on the show. But I also want to thank Dave for giving us uh, some of his time as always. Really appreciate you guys being willing to, to help me out. Um, and again, thanks to everybody out there for su- continuing to support the show. Thank you for all you do. And uh, just know that I greatly appreciate it. So for David Spence, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>